as humans, we're capable of so much more than we realize at, at all levels. And this is like personally, professionally, you know, athletics. We're, we're, our, both our minds and bodies are, are capable of way more than we give ourselves credit for. And you don't know that unless you push yourself to try to, to do that. And it, and you know, it just takes one step at a, at a time. A lot of people ask like, what, how do you run an ultra marathon? Well, just one mile at a time. And how do you do a mile? One, one step at a time. And I think it's important to kind of push yourself, you know, keep that learning an open mindset and but at the same time challenge yourself and push yourself and 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 others forward in a, in a positive way welcome to the driving force podcast everyone i'm your host chase rosa a former private equity analyst now exploring human performance through podcasting coaching jujitsu and endurance athletics this podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest is Kevin Marasco. Kevin is a full-stack marketing leader, board advisor, startup investor, and ultra runner. His current gig is as chief marketing officer at Zenefits an HR, payroll, and employee benefits software company purpose-built for small and mid-sized businesses. Prior to Zenefits, Kevin was chief marketing officer at HireVue, where they grew 4,000%, went from 10% to 60-plus percent market share, and rated a Forbes top 10 most promising company in America. As Kevin would put it, he's actually an accidental marketer. He started his career as a software engineer and aspiring rock star. His band got a record deal with a major label, and open for folks like Blink-182 and Sublime. When he's not working, he enjoys spending time with his family, running ultramarathons, Ironmans, surfing. He used to be a competitive surfer, and snowboarding. In this interview, we get into his days as a competitive surfer, his winding road from software engineer to marketing executive, his ultra-running career and training, and the stealth sports tech startup he's working on. And so, without further ado, my interview with Kevin Marasco. Kevin, thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me, Chase. Appreciate you. Yeah. So let's start this off at the beginning here. Where'd you grow up? I grew up on the East Coast in a small town on the East Coast of Florida, uh, Jacksonville Beach, Neptune Beach. Nice. Nice area to grow up in. Yeah. Good weather at least weather wise um yeah it's good and um right i grew up surfing so it's you know right on the uh coast so um yeah it's like a nice beach town um so it's pretty cool yeah and were you were you physically active like play a lot of sports growing up i did i kind of did the tour i guess um did soccer you know when i was young i did soccer baseball basketball um those were probably the primary sports i was the most into soccer and um and then i got into surfing and then like when i got into surfing that was i kind of you know basically uh, quit all the team sports and just got <laughs> like pretty seriously into into, into surfing um, yeah and, and 
did that for, you know, to this day. Um, but I was you know, pretty serious about it for, for a while, including, you know, surfing competitively. Oh, cool. Yeah. Surfing's addicting, <laughs> man. From what I've heard too, it's just, uh, there's a big, um, surf community up here in New Hampshire and, uh, yeah, they're just, they're just addicted <laughs> anytime, any, any yeah. opportunity to get a wave there. They'll make any excuse to go out and surf. <laughs> My dad included. It, totally. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's almost, yeah, I find it kind of therapeutic almost too, you know, you're, it's a unique sport in terms of like what you're doing, you know, with the water, with the ocean, with the waves and kind of, if you think about it, waves in and of themselves are kind of phenomenal and, um, you know, different swells and how that impacts, you know, you have, um, you know, beaches where there's literally no surf at all and then a certain swell from a certain direction comes and all of a sudden there's like perfect waves and it's just a fascinating find it to be a fascinating sport and and certainly a lot of a lot of fun yeah it's interesting that you use the word therapeutic i had another uh, guest on my podcast whose name's ralph Vitello. he he runs a pretty well-known surf blog like hundreds of thousands of readers like around the world every week he posts it and his uh like one of his mottos is surfing heals all wounds so it's a uh, you know mental uh you know and physical so it's it's interesting how you use that word yeah absolutely it's it's i uh see you know a lot of people like you know even you know now um being much older and and you know I used to surf like every day when i was a kid regardless of what the waves are like and um you know now being in the, you, know, you get into the hustle and bustle of life and it's like, I just crave getting out in the water sometimes and, you know, surfing half moon Bay, um, uh, a couple weekends ago. And it's just like, oh, I got to get out in the water, even though it's freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And so it sounds like, cause I know you run a lot now, but it sounds like back then it was pretty much just, just surfing for you. And maybe you didn't discover running until later on. That's right. Yeah. I never, I never ran, um, you know, early on, I, you know, I was into sports and so I was like, I think my mindset at the time was probably, why would I run? Like that's, that's exercise. Like, <laughs> I like, you know, fun sports and things like that. So the only time I'd run was to, you know, chase the ball playing soccer or something. I didn't enjoy running and, um, of course enjoyed surfing. And so, yeah, I never, I didn't get into, running until, you know, you know, much later, I was in my thirties, um, late twenties or thirties, or, or um, before I got into it. So I never did track in school or any, any of that type stuff. I just never, okay. never had a desire to do so. And, yeah. and, uh, so it's, uh, for me, it was, uh, definitely a later in life type of thing. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, now you're like, you're obviously a very driven and hardworking person was hard work a value that was instilled in you early on in your life? Absolutely. Um, it, I mean, it was just kind of, I think how I grew up and I'm sure a lot of this was just in my family, my parents, um, you know, my mom was a, a school teacher, 40 year school teacher. My dad was always in, and still is a hard worker, um, uh, very, you know, entrepreneurial, and I think just kind of growing up in that, that culture, um, you know, I think it just basically instilled in me and, um, 
uh, you know, and, and then, yeah, I just, um, it creates like a drive, right? Like you, yeah. just, you want to just keep pushing yourself and, and that applies well, of course, to sports too, right? Like even, you know, in surfing, I'd, you know, for when I was doing it competitively, there's a, there's a huge drive. And then eventually I said, Hey, I, I'm not doing this to be like the best at it. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Um, but in uh, so many other areas of, um, life, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing. And I think that's, I find that interesting because you got to find areas where what's your purpose of doing something. And, you know, if it's competitive and you want to be like the best, you know, if you want to be a one percenter, then, then it's going to take that, that time and effort. And then if there's other things you're doing it perhaps for, for balance or for, um, because of, you know, it is therapeutic, then, then that's fine. You know, you needed to find that, but I definitely, you know, always had, you know, a, a drive and, 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 you know, hard work ethic, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, while you were surfing competitively, did you ever surf against any of the, I guess, well-known surfers now today? Yeah. Um, when I was young, so, um, yeah, I, I think like the, I mean, I was never at near the level that these guys are at now. And, and even then, I think, you know, I made the, um, the nationals, the twice, the East coast surfing championships. I mean, sure. a couple of times I got, I think like the best I did was, uh, there's different divisions. Right. And I was in boys and I don't even remember the age, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> It was, it was pretty young and I got fifth on the East coast and, um, that was probably as, as good as I did. I didn't really make it any higher than that, but the guys like at that level, you know, uh, were just, just phenomenal. So I remember being in contests with like Kelly Slater. Uh, he grew up a little, you know, South yeah. in, in Cocoa beach. Um, and, uh, you know, the hob goods, a bunch of guys, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, was kind of cool uh, to see, hey, these guys that I remember from when I was a little, um, you know, grommet, like, you know, in, <laughs> in contests and heats against some of them. And uh, they were always way better than me. But it's cool to see them like, you know, they're pro now. Like, oh, wow. Like, we were like right there. So it's, 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 I love seeing people go on to do whatever it is, whatever the craft is. Um, uh, you know, for surfing or running or whatever. It's so cool to see them uh, do so well. And uh, it's really neat to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. Would you consider yourself a natural salesman or natural entrepreneur? Like were you the kid growing up who you know, would, would always be starting lemonade stands or like have a journal of business ideas he'd be writing in? I would, uh, I was always really entrepreneurial. I don't know that I'd say I'd class my, classify myself as a natural um, salesperson or salesman. I always, you know, I've always liked to build and create things. And, and uh, to this day, that's, that's kind of my passion is to, to create, build and, and take something from one level to an entirely, you know, another level, scaling businesses, scaling teams, um, coming up with an idea and making it a reality. And um, that's really my passion. So that's where the entrepreneurial part. Um, so yep, lemonade stands and, and all types of stuff. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, I love to just build and create and, and whatever it took to do that. And, and sometimes that does require selling. You need to sell an idea. You need to inspire people or team to, to get behind it. You need to sell a concept that it's 
possible. And so to the degree that selling uh, something's required to, to create something, um, yeah, I get passionate about that because I believed in it. And um, so to that degree, I'd kind of get into sales. You know, that said, over the past, you know, 20, 25 years, I've always been close to uh, the sales, the sales profession. Um, so I feel like I've had a, uh, you know, always been involved in that. Uh, right. But for me, myself personally, I'm like probably def- heavy on the entrepreneurial side um, and, and when required dipping into the, to the sales side. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And so fast forwarding a bit here, um, where did you end up going to college? I went to college at the university of North Florida, which was a local um, school in North Florida, the closest college. Um, it was interesting. I had a, yeah, I, I grew up in a family that was heavy on academics, you know, with my mom being a uh, right. math teacher. And um, that was just kind of ingrained, you know, school was a big deal um, in, in, in the family. And to me, I'm like, I was, again, more entrepreneurial. And, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had a full ride scholarship as an electrical engineer um, because I just had done good in school, math, physics, you know, all that type of stuff. And even at the end, I'm like, I, you know, I could go to, you know, any state school for, for, for free. And I thought about going to like the West Coast and, and ultimately I'm like, eh, I don't even really care. I don't even know what I want to do. So I'll just take this, I'll, I'll, I'll go to school because I know my parents will kill me if I don't. So I just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just went to the closest school so I could just surf. And then, you know, I got big time into, into music and playing in bands. Okay. And uh, it's just the convenient thing at the time I was playing and, bands and I'm like I don't want to like move and so I just you know kind of went to school to check the box <laughs> and uh yeah that was at UNF yeah what uh what instrument what instrument did you play in the bands um so I played guitar in a band I played bass at another band I played drums in another band um I was really not good at drums, okay at bass, but guitar was definitely my main instrument. So I played okay. played guitar at a, at a lot of at a lot of bands and, and and played around on other instruments as well. Oh, cool! That's cool. And so you mentioned electrical engineering. Is that what we ended up majoring in? What UNF? I did not. I actually. So I, I changed. I was over halfway through, and. Um, candidly had done most of the hard work to taking all like most of the math science computer science all that type of stuff and was in the back half of it and got kind of like I don't know if I want to do this I think I'm like more of the entrepreneurial side and at the same time you know one of the bands that that got pretty serious we ended up we got a record deal and um, our manager's like hey you're gonna this whole school thing you're gonna have to quit because we're going to go into pre-production um then we're going on tour we had just done a gig with the warp tour um and uh so i'm like shoot we yeah <laughs> need to get out of this and like and what's the easiest way to get out and i didn't again i still didn't really know what i wanted to do i was more focused on music and surfing and um so i switched to a business degree and ironically enough in marketing and um for no real reason other than it was just like I had taken a lot of the classes in this pretty easy path. And um, so, yeah, so I ended up getting a, a degree was in, in business specializing in marketing. 
Okay. Cool. And what was the um the name of your band? The the that one was Happy Hour. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a ska uh punk band. We played we opened up for um bands that like um the year we did the warp tour, Mighty Mighty Boston's were on it, but we opened up for Sublime, Blink One Eighty Two, Less Than Jake, um, bands like that. That and again, it's one of those things that's kind of cool to see some of these bands go on and do do well. Yeah. Um, huh. So could uh, could I find the music today? Like like searching online. <laughs> You have to do some deep searching. It was, it's interesting because um, it's come so far with, you know, Spotify and everything online. When we did the first album we did um, was uh, literally cassette. So it was before even like uh, CDs came out. And um, the second album we did was a CD. And that was a big deal for us. It was like, oh my gosh, this is like cool. It's a CD and, and the recording technology, of course, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's just another one of those things. It's amazing now. Uh, but this was before, like, I don't even know if Pro Tools was out then. I think maybe it had just come out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, so you can't, it was way before, like, the web, YouTube, and, you know, yeah. certainly yeah. Spotify and everything. But there's, I've had some people dig some stuff up and, 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 and uh, share it. Yeah, okay. And so, so you end up majoring in, in marketing, looking back, like, what did you think you wanted to do for a career while in college? Like, did you want to go into marketing after? I had no idea. Um, even when I graduated, it was just I had no clue. Uh, I was still entrepreneurial. The band ended up infusing. Um, and, um, we had a blast, but, but ultimately, you know, we were trying to take it in a different direction. So after it didn't go anywhere serious, um, so I always had, I always hustled. So I had, it was kind of a joke. A lot of my friends, the joke was how many jobs do you have, Kevin? They'd be like, yeah, five jobs, four jobs. I was, I, had, I was doing all types of stuff. Just super, um, I started, you know, a few companies. I had, <clears throat> um, uh, was trading stocks actually. That was, I did that, um, you know, full time for a little over a year. Um, this was back when the, you know, in the nineties and I had taken this, um, class and for extra credit, one of the professors taught, uh, um, he it was my transportation professor and he taught how to use algorithms, regression analysis for, you know, technical analysis for stocks. And I, I needed, I wanted the extra credits. I took the weekend class and, and all these like serious traders, um, were in there and I'm, yeah, I'm super young. And I found it fascinating, you know, with the math background. And so I, I did that for, for a little over a year, trading um, stocks and stock options, got into commodities for a while. So I was trading stocks um, and then doing, you know, started, a, a, the web was just starting to come out. And so I, I like saw all types of opportunity with that. So started like a e-commerce company, a early version of what would now be like a Yelp. Um, uh, and so, you know, did a few startups and, um, you know, all types of stuff, but still it was all about kind of building and creating something. Yeah. Wow. So you do, do you enjoy being busy or do, do you more so hate being bored? Um, that's a great question. And I've never thought about it that way. I guess 
it's not that I hate being bored. I don't think I would be bored because I think I'd always find something to do. And right. so I get, I guess I enjoy being busy, but not for being busy sake, but because I enjoy creating something. I enjoy the experience. I enjoy the camaraderie. Um, and to me, that's fun. And um, so, so yeah, I guess I enjoy being busy because um, and, and it needs to be something that's enjoyable uh, or make you need to make it enjoyable, I think. But I don't like being busy just to be busy. Um, so I do try to find time to balance, especially now with like a family and everything. You have to, you know, have right. to have to balance out your life. Can't just, I can't work, um, you know, twenty four seven, three sixty five like I used to. Um, but but I do enjoy the, the, you know, the work, especially from a creation standpoint. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so, when you graduate, do I have it right that your first job out of school was as a software engineer? Yeah, well, what happened was I did these when I had all these jobs and a couple of these were, were startups that me and some friends started building these these companies. And as the web came out, um, it, they all had a technology component. So you, even the, the latter days of the band, the web had just come out. And I would handle all the marketing and promotion and branding and everything for the band. And um, so I'm like, hey, this, like, the, you know, I, I taught myself how to code to build a website. And then I just kept kind of parlaying that. I'm like, hey, we're building a, you know, we had this clothing company that started to do, you know, pretty well. I'm like, hey, we could build, we need to build, you know, build a website and a full e-commerce site. And then we sign retailers. I'm like, hey, we can build all the back end in inventory management and supply chain and a dealer portal. So I'm like, I can code that. And so I taught myself um, how to okay. code. And this was, you know, it's amazing where things are now. Now this stuff's so easy with like AWS and Shopify and Stripe. This was way before any of that existed. So all those things now there are services and microservices for, you had to build. So um, I had to stand up the database. Um, you know, stand up an application server, stand up a web server, you know, write all the code. And, and, and even that it's like four languages. There's like the application layer, there's the, there's the web layer, JavaScript, then the SQL. So it's like, actually, basically it's like teaching yourself to be a full stack developer <laughs> back <laughs> in the day, right? Like things yeah. have, again have, have evolved, but yeah, I, like I did that so that we could move these companies forward basically. Right. Okay. And so what, what happened with all of these companies? Like, did any of them pan out or did you, did you eventually leave to, I guess, get a full-time role? Yeah. What, what really happened was a friend of mine, his brother had started this company and it started to take off and they, they, they needed someone that could help. Yeah. They're looking for, you know, developer, especially someone who could do kind of more of the front end, the design, um, and had an app, you know, an eye for that piece. And they kept trying to get me to come help them. And I'm like, ah, I, I, no, I can't. I got this company. I was still doing the, the, the trading thing. Yeah. And, um, but these guys were, this company was doing really well. And it was a lot of, you know, a, a really good friend. And 
um, great group of guys. And, and finally, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll come do some contract stuff for you guys. And so I, I did that. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a joke because I bought all my, like a couple of computer monitors in and I had my all my, my trading uh, algorithm, everything running. And it was kind of a joke. We're like, what is this? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, monitoring the market trading. And it was still this joke, like, how many jobs do you have? <laughs> and uh, and uh, while coding and, and, and building stuff at this company. And then that company, you know, the company started just taking off and it just became a rocket ship. And so I kind of just quit all the other stuff because this thing had so much momentum and the flywheel really started going. And, and, um, and I think it's kind of interesting in, in retrospect, the, those companies, like it was literally, I look back, like it could have been like an early version of a Yelp, early version of Shopify, um, had, you know, had, had we stuck with those, um, ventures, but, uh, um, so, but, but yeah, that's kind of how I got, you know, I did kind of teach myself how to code and then, um, you know, that was the launching point for, you know, this, this company, this month, my buddy's company is called Recruit Max. And, um, that was right. kind of my start into the, to like a real, you know, tech company, uh, and, and, and software. Right. And what this was, this was all during the time of like the dot com bubble or was it was a little before that yeah it was it was i was trading during the dot com bubble and i'll never forget that that was crazy because i had you know i didn't have money right like i i scrapped on these jobs and and put whatever money i had into like trading and then grew that i i built that and so i'd actually for being a a young kid i had actually done pretty well and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to make like a hundred thousand dollars this year as a kid. Like, <laughs> and, and, um, and then all of a sudden the dot com crash and I never seen, I'm like, whoa, I'd only seen it go up and to the right. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this, this crash. And I'm see, I, I just watched my, <laughs> you know, holy crap. I just lost $10,000. Like I literally lost all the money that I had wow. made and I didn't have any, I can't, you know, it started with nothing and then it went back down <laughs> to basically nothing. So it was a great lesson uh, that not to take you know, things for granted that these, you know, yes, you can go through the bubble can bust, you can go through a recession. So it's amazing lessons in that. And then, you know, in the wake of that, um, the late nineties, early two thousands was when, um, you know, we started kind of getting serious about the, the software company. Um, but, but, but yeah, the dot com, you know, I remember that like it was, it was, it was yesterday. Yeah. 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 I can imagine. And how do you think your experience as a software engineer and gaining all of those skills, how do you think that's benefited you throughout the years now or, or like more recently as a tech executive? It's been phenomenal. I mean, I think in a, in a couple of areas, I feel fortunate to know, feel like, and, and I couldn't, I won't pretend to be able to you know, like be an engineer in today's world. But I think what it taught me is what, what it's like to build software, to be inside it, build it, stand up an application, the real work that goes into it. It seems simple at service. Hey, let's build this app or, you know, ideas are so easy, but the work that actually goes into building something to iterating what the product development life cycle actually is how a simple change, like how to actually implement the, the work to be done there. So I feel like it's taught me 
what the, the real work to be done, the skill sets required, empathy for software engineers and developers. And um, so, and just kind of knowing what actually has to happen. And then second, being able to parlay that in, in you know, in today's world, like everything's tech forward and tech driven. And especially, you know, my kind of focus now is in, in sales and marketing. And it's like marketing's completely evolved in the past decade and it's, it's all tech forward. So it's been amazing to be able to kind of apply those worlds and, and merge on what can technology do to, you know, marketing and it can do the same thing in, in almost any, any function. So I think it's, um, it's certainly helped. And, um, and it was, it was also fun too. I, I, it's, it's a lot of, you know, problem solving and building and creating and It's, uh, you know, I'll never forget my first couple apps like building those and it was so rewarding to see your work especially when like you know hundreds or thousands of users use it and it's just it's pretty fulfilling to to see it so i i, I enjoy it yeah yeah and you know i you know you'll hear like how in these tech companies how it can be pretty siloed and like you maybe hear some tension between the engineers and the sales and marketing guys like not really understanding the roles of each other's job functions so yeah, I can imagine it gives you a greater understanding and, like you said, empathy for, for those, uh, for the engineers and software engineers at your current company. Totally, and like you know, I try to think about like if we're. It, it's easy as you go up in your career and you become, you know, manager, director, executive. Like I never want to be like have that ivory tower mentality, and I'm I try to be like almost sensitive to it because it's easy to come up with a idea, a direction or a strategy. Hey, we're going to go in this direction. And it's easy just to say that, but you have to realize all what actually happens. And especially in a bigger company, you have hundreds or thousands of people that are marching in that direction. And so I'm trying to do enough diligence to know, Hey, is this the right strategy? Is this the right direction? Because I don't want all these people to put all this work and all the way down to all the code being written, to, th- I want to make sure that it's the right thing to do. And I feel like even now, I like try to really be diligent about, hey, is this to vet the thinking and not just act on a whim, um, you know, emotionally or irrationally, and make sure it's the right thing to do. Because I feel like I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, I want to make sure everyone that th- this work is for good, and 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 everyone gets to see fulfilling, you know, results from that. Right. And so when and why do you decide to, to pivot to, to marketing at that company? It happened. It was really like the best thing to do for the company at the time. You know, as we were growing and scaling, um, at first, you know, as I was doing, gosh, all types of stuff. I mean, certainly a lot of the front end, you know, dev and the design, we were integrating into companies' websites. I would do the whole integration piece. And then we built, I mean, a handful of full, full blown applications, like top to bottom. So I was just doing, I guess, you know, more engineering, but always did a little bit of the front end. And then as the company just started growing and scaling, someone needed to do the marketing and, and um, you know, the founder and CEO and team just, it just seemed to be kind of a natural fit, I guess. And they're like, Kevin, you got this, like, do the website like you're gonna be the you're doing all the front end 
dev, the integration points with the product. So build our website too. And, um, and it just kind of, it just happened to grew from there. Uh, and I had a little bit of experience just from the past stuff that I had done and then right. the rest learned. And then, yeah, and it just kind of happened from there. It's kind of um, perhaps serendipitous, uh, but, but yeah, that's, um, that's really, that was kind of the genesis of, of getting into marketing. Interesting. So it was just kind of the job that need that needed to be done and they just looked to you and you raised your hand and say, yeah, I got it. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the time it was like fake it to make it. It was just like, Hey, I, yeah, I can do this. There's certain parts, you know, you, you know how to do. And then other pieces I had to learn and get advice. And, you know, back then this was before YouTube and, and, and the, you know, all the amazing, it's so easy to learn stuff now. And, at the time, you know, I did, I just buy a ton of books. I uh, try to network and connect with people who had done some of this, solve problems. And then, you know, fast forward through years as the company grew and scale, you're able to, I'm able to connect with other heads of marketing to see, you know, what, what they had done, learn from them, what some of their, um, what, you know, some of the chapters in their playbook were. Um, but, uh, and I, I feel like net to, in today's world, that's, it's, it's so much faster and easier to do that. It's incredible. And, um, but at the time it was a little more difficult to do. It required a little bit more, um, work, but, uh, I think that was, you know, kind of how, um, how it came to be. Yeah. And so in the interest of time here, so you take on the role in marketing at Verve and recruit max and then take it and run with marketing for the rest of your career. Now, how does that ultimately lead you to the opportunity at Zenefits? Yeah. So, um, like the next few companies just were like, you know, it's fortunate timing, people, et cetera. Like um, Verve, we took to, you know, over 500 people, global company in about five countries. Um, our biggest competitor, we were about to go public. Um, we'd um, gone through the whole S1 process, selected our bankers, and then the, the market went sideways and we kind of lost our window. Um, I was, it was a bummer because we were, a lot of us had put, so, you know, over 10 years of work into this company. We were really excited about, about that. Uh, so that was, that was kind of a bummer. Um, and then ultimately we sold to our biggest competitor. Our biggest competitor bought us because we were competing head to head. And I, most of the folks did not go on board and um, I wasn't planning to, but decided to. It was an opportunity to get public company experience, um, which I thought would be awesome. And, you know, this time it was a tough decision because it was, I had, you know, had a lot of responsibility running all of uh, marketing. I had our inside sales, our sales ops for, you know, global company, and then to have like a much smaller footprint, uh, but at a much bigger company. Um, But I decided, hey, this would be a great learning experience. Why not? And um, so I challenged myself uh, to be more right. open-minded, took it, and, um, and then that, that was a good run, and then had, was fortunate to have another good run at another company. So I did like a big public company with a couple thousand people, and then some friends had gone to this startup, and um, there's this brilliant entrepreneur, um, Mark Newman, and he had started this cool company like out of his parents' garage, and, um, and some friends... Uh, went and joined him to help build and scale that. And they were trying to recruit me for like a year. And I was, 
you know, flattered, not interested. And then eventually just said, Hey, let's, let's go do it. And um, so went and, and did that and had a, had a good run. And then the kind of similar story with Zenefits, the uh, new team came in to help pivot the business from one business model to the, to the current business model as a, right. as a SaaS company. Right. And um, that's when I got involved um, to help kind of with that, that pivot from being an online insurance broker to a SaaS company, which is, you know, the past, um, you know, four companies, that's all, that was kind of the, you know, the playbook. Right. And so maybe provide a brief overview of Zenefits for the people listening. Yeah. Zenefits automates the people operations for small businesses um, so our purpose, we call it to level the playing field for the other 99.7%. And the other 99.7% is all the small businesses in the U.S. with under 500 employees. And if you think about it, a lot of the te- technology and tools were built for big enterprise companies. Right. And um, a lot of small companies don't have the tools, the resources and to, to effectively compete with, with bigger companies. And so we're trying to empower small businesses uh, and, and the way we're doing that is we're removing all, making the stuff they have to do easy. So all the um, HR administration, uh, all the people administration, managing their benefits, their payroll compliance and, and all that. So we automate all of that. And then we also help people do their best work. So we empower people and their teams to in- increase productivity through collaboration tools, uh, employee engagement tools, employee well-being tools, tools that help for remote work and distributed teams. And um, so, so yeah, just to help increase their productivity while keeping them on the right side of compliance and automating all the administration. Got it. Okay. And then going back to that pivot from being um, an online insurance, an online insurance broker to now being pure SaaS, what was really driving that decision? It was, the company was founded with a really clever business model to um, give the software away for free and just make money off the insurance commission. But it also then resulted in more of a services heavy business. You have to have all the, you know, all the brokers and, and so it ends up, it's not as clean of a software model. So that ultimately higher costs, lower gross margins, um, higher churn because people shop for insurance every year and insurance is always, changing right and and but the company had built an amazing product like really great technology like the best and i i saw it i'm like wow i've used all these other apps i've never seen anything like this and um and again they're giving away for free so we decided hey why don't we're good at building technology let's focus on that let's not be an insurance broker that comes with a bunch of compliance overhead um the services overhead why not use this technology and partner with brokers certify them on our technology, open up the platform and then just charge for the software and, um, and, and just be a pure tech company. And so that was, that was the rationale for the pivot. Let's focus on our strengths, what we're really good at, and that'll build a you know, better business model as well. And, um, and uh, that was, that was really the rationale. Okay. Got it. That, that makes sense. And how much did the uh, Zenefits scandal affect your decision to join the company? I know there was some like some sort of scandal beforehand. Um, did that have any play in your decision at all? I had seen the same headlines that I think anyone reads, but you know the media 
tends to, you know, blow things out of proportion. So <laughs> yeah. I was fortunate to have an opportunity to do some diligence and with, with the team, you know, uh, uh, and, and understand kind of separate fact from fiction and realize, wow, there's really something incredible here that customers love great product, very disruptive. And, um, yeah, there, the company did make some missteps. A lot of company make some missteps and, um, and, uh, so yeah, that was, that was it. And, and I saw more at the end of the day, here's a massive market this right for disruption. Here's a great product. Um, and, um, I thought the company is really well poised and especially executing this pivot and, and saw it as, as, as a great opportunity and, and try not to let the, um, you know, the media, you know, distract from the true opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're very focused on the, the potential opportunity and not something that seems like the media was, um, perhaps blowing out of proportion. Yeah. And, and, you know, yes, the company did, you know, it was a, like a lot of companies, uh, in Silicon Valley, it, it, there's this culture of growth at all cost, and the company did, uh, take some shortcuts and, um, you know, admitted to those quickly made, uh, quickly made changes, um, and, and address those. There were some compliance, um, issues and the company ultimately said, Hey, we're going to actually turn this into a strength, um, stand up a compliance function, build technology and open source that helps manage and prevent these issues and make it available, not just to our company, but to other companies, uh, uh quickly tried to learn from the mistakes and, 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 um, drive positive change coming out of those as a result. And I think that was the, the important piece. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I'm sure back going back to Verve and Recruit Max that you, you know, from being growing that from a startup to, to scaling it really fast, I'm sure you probably experienced a lot of growing pains as well. So yeah, you definitely have some experience there. Absolutely. I mean, we, I mean, it was like, you know, early on, you know, Verve, we, that was one of the, the big challenges that we went from serving just small businesses to, you know, fortune 100. And, and all of a sudden you go from thousands of users to, hundreds of millions right and it's we learned a ton about wow you have to build to scale at, at all levels right there's the technology and the product but then there's all your all your business operations and so you have to build things so they're repeatable and sustainable and um and i think that's a challenge that a lot of companies uh, run into and we ran into it early on because like the first i'm fortunate now to work with an experienced team um but you know 20 years ago we were learning uh, at, at so many levels on the job. And it was the early days of, of uh, the cloud too and software as a service. And that was the big right. battle. Like, heck, we were still, there's still a lot of stuff still client server. And um, so it's, it's, but it's, it's doing things uh, to scale and you have to balance, you know, you want to drive growth and, and, and push things forward. But I think it's also being attuned to let's do it in a sustainable, smart and scalable way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so what is your role as CMO at Zenefits? Um, so I head up, um, you know, all of um, uh, marketing. Uh, so, and really, you know, my mindset's like marketing's about I, helping the company identify and, and 
capitalize on growth opportunities. So identifying opportunities and then driving the company in that direction. So part of it's, you, know, you tend to think about the, the, you know, building the pipeline and the, all the enablement and the communications, the brand and all that. Yes, uh, that's true. But it's, it's also about, I think at a broader level, seeing where the market's going and where you want the market to go and then helping drive the market and the company in, in that direction and, and really aligning the organization behind that um, and um, to, to realize the potential. And then all the tactics that fall behind that, which, you know, building, um, you know, building pipeline, enabling the sales team, um, uh, driving brand um, marketing communications and everything. Okay, cool. Have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's a blast. I'm fortunate to be able to work with a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me and learn from them. And, and, um, and I think probably the most rewarding thing is seeing the impact that it has on our customers and, and their employees. Um, and that's, that's just amazing. Like some of the notes that we get is just so inspiring and you realize the difference that it has. You know, just this year, this year, especially it's been a tough year, super yeah. tough year with the pandemic and small businesses. And uh, my heart breaks for some of the stories that I've heard. And at the same time, you know, we, we worked hard and, and, you know, we opened up emergency open enrollment periods so thousands of employees could get insurance and get coverage that they would not have been able to have. We helped um, hundreds of companies apply for and get PPP loans um, and, seeing the impact this has on these small businesses and their employees and their lives is, is amazing. And so that's, I feel fortunate to, you know, these are small businesses that are the heart of the U S economy and being able to help them is, is super rewarding. So it's, I think that's the, the most fun and being able to do that with, with some awesome people is great. Yeah. And um, I completely forgot about that. Like, benefits and being able to help all these small businesses really streamline kind of the most costly processes and parts of their operations during this time. This must be huge. Huge. And, um, you know, we have like the data this ne that was needed for the PPP loan. So we were able to accelerate that process, um, for them to get, get loans, get, uh, access to, uh, tax credits and deferrals. And a lot of these small businesses even know, like, you know, for example, if an employee needs to take off, for themselves or family member or, or they have children that don't have school or daycare and they need to take care of the children that the through the new through the cares act that um number one the employee can take paid time leave and two the company is eligible for tax credits as a part of that and a lot of these small businesses didn't even know that and were able to facil facilitate that help them track that and and and, and get access to the, to the funding. So it's, um, yeah, it's one of many things, but, um, so it's, 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 um, you know, we feel we're grateful to be able to help with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so shifting away from Zenefits now, as much as you can tell us about it, um, what is the stealth sports tech company, uh, that you're a co-founder of like what's involved with it? Yep. So I'll tell you kind of how it started. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got into, yeah, you know, started with triathlons and then Ironman and then ultimately got into ultra running. And um, 
the a good friend of mine and I are doing these events and people are asking us, Hey, where, you know, where are you? <laughs> are you guys alive? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, at the time we were like running through the jungles of Brazil and, um, <laughs> like, man, there's gotta be a better way for people to follow our experience and for us to share this experience with friends, with family and, and, and folks. And so the app is, is, it does that. It, it helps connect, athletes um with fans when they're doing these uh events and so it's um there's a live streaming uh, video uh, component to it and um, there's a social component um but purpose built for sport for uh, events unlike you know traditional social platforms that are you know more broader um uh social but um so that's it. And, and we're like in, in a private beta now, um, just, um, uh, you know, working with, with a number of events and, and helping kind of them take their events and then broadcast it digitally. And basically, and it's a win for the event too, because they're able to reach, you know, up to five, in some cases, 10 times more people and people from around the world are able to follow the action and the experiences of their athletes. Okay. Okay. So, it's like it's following each each individual each individual athlete at the event rather than kind of i don't know the standard huge broadcast on like nbc exactly um you can do both you can follow snapshot of the event um you can see leaderboard times if it's a run for example you can see like splits um locations but then you can also drill down and follow a particular athlete and get um, push notifications. So if you're, you know, doing a, you know, run or triathlon, I could see where you are, see photo, videos, and um, and, and and follow your progress and support you and cheer you on. Huh, that's really interesting. How uh, how long have you been working on this so far? A few years. It started as we built it because we were like, hey, there's got to be a better way. So we, you know, got some friends that we've worked with to build a, you know, prototype and we used that ourselves. And then that we showed it to a couple of folks like, oh my gosh, this would be amazing. Could you, you know, could you have it ready for an event that I have coming up that I'm doing? And, and so then we built, built an alpha and, and, you know, here, here we are, we're c continuing to iterate. So we've, just kind of taking our time and um, not trying to go big, crazy uh, immediately, but get, you know, kind of iterate the product and, 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 um, uh, and get it right. But yeah, it's been, been like a few years that we've been working on it. Interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. And so it's something that's more than just like following where someone is in the Boston marathon and like following, like, I don't know the dot on the map, but something much more, immersive that's really cool yeah immersive and using video too so you can see mm -hmm. you know video photos so there's crowdsourced photos so anyone can take a photo of you and then anyone so you have a friend or family member that's following you, you they'd see that photo in real time uh so it's not just you know you're not just a dot on a map or you're seeing a split time it's actually exactly a much more immersive experience as you say yeah cool and so when did you start ultra running I got into it, this is about 10, 10 years ago. So the, when we were at Verve and we were going through that hyper kind of crazy growth period, I was actually leading into the, to 
us, you know, drafting our S1 for an I, you know, what we were planning to be an IPO, we were just working so hard. And the doctor told our CEO, founder and CEO, Derek, he said, hey, Derek, you're going to have a heart attack before you turn 40 if you don't start having, getting you know, healthier because we were just working 24 seven. Wow. And um, so that was kind of the impetus that, that, that started, Hey, we need to do something. So a handful of us at the time said, Hey, let's, we signed up for a sprint triathlon, um, which is like the shortest type of triathlon you could do. Um, and it was like in a few months. So we all kind of had a couch to, you know, couch to mini triathlon challenge. And, and we'd like bet on it, like who could beat who. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that, so we did that. We did a sprint triathlon. Then we all were like, Hey, that was kind of fun. Why don't we let's sign up for an Olympic distance triathlon. And so most of us did that. We did that. And then uh, a few of us said, Hey, now we did that. Why don't we do an Ironman? So then we signed up for Ironman Arizona. Um, and you know, that was like a few months out and, and then we did that. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then after Ironman, like uh, a couple of the guys said, Hey, I heard about these guys that are like running a hundred miles. This is, this was now probably about 10 years ago. Um, and okay. um, we, he said, I have this idea, like let's run 110 miles. And so we got a group, there's I think three, four or five of us that basically kind of created our own event to run 110 miles straight and raise $110,000 for breast cancer. And, um, and so that's what we did. And that was my first time before that. I never, I was never, I was never even into running until like the Ironman. And then, you know, you have to learn to run, to do the, you know, the, you have to run a marathon and an Ironman. Um, and that was the furthest I'd ever run until um, we put together this 110 mile race uh, about 10 years ago. And then since then got, you know, it's kind of addictive, got into it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got into it right when, the sport was starting to, to explode and almost get mainstream right around that 2010 range. Yeah, it was. And at the time I'm like, this is crazy. Is this even, you know, and, and my buddy had done some due diligence on it. And, um, I was like, this is sounds crazy, but I kind of like <laughs> audacious things. So let's, let's, yeah. let's do it right up your alley. So what does your weekly training schedule look like nowadays? Um, it, like in general, I'll run two or three days during the week. Um, and then the other days I, I work out, I do something every day during the week. Um, but three days will be two or three days. will be running the other two I'll like cross train strength training. And, um, and then I'll do a long run on Saturday. Um, and then I take Sunday off and that's, I've had a similar schedule to that for, you know, for years and I'll flex up if I'm doing, if I have an event coming up, I'll, I'll use that same framework and kind of ramp up the miles. And, um, if I don't have an event, I'm just kind of in between, um, I'll, you know, flex down, uh, you know, down the miles, but that's, you know, a version of that's the kind of, I find what works for me. Okay. How many ultras have you run so far? Uh, about a dozen. Okay. Do you have like a favorite distance? I mean, I like the hundred because just because it's I don't know it's a, <laughs> even number. The furthest I've done is one sixty five. Wow. Um, that was 
uh, that, that was definitely like the toughest. Um, but I guess if I had a favorite, it'd be, it'd be the, uh, the hundred. Um, and then I'll, you know, I mix in stuff too. Like, you know, I'll do the, I try to do the San Francisco marathon, um, every year is fun. You know, you go over to the golden gate and doesn't really, you know, it's, 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 um, kind of easy to do. Um, I'm fortunate to be, you know, down the street. So it's yeah. that aspect. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd like the, I think the hundreds are kind of cool. Yeah. The 24 hour challenges. <laughs> yeah. It's just Full like, a good, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's a mental push, right? It's, it's about, you know, almost four marathons. So I think that aspect once you get over that, like it's, yeah, that's good too. It pushes you at a whole nother level. Um, I find, and, um, and, you know, there's some other folks that are just like pushing the limits of this stuff now. It's, it's getting crazy. A buddy of mine, uh, I was talking to you last night. He's like, Hey, come do, he wants me to do this 300 some mile thing with him. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, um, I, I, I have a day job. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it, it, that's another level. Um, but for me, like the hundreds, like, you know, doing that, like that's, that that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to be doing the marathon to Sable anytime soon though. <laughs> I almost did that a few years ago. I have oh, okay. uh, a number of friends that have, that have done that, but you know, that's broken up, um, over, uh, you know, it's a stage race. Um, but it, it's, 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 it, yeah, that seems amazing. I do. I don't know. I think that one, that's probably on my bucket list. I probably need, you know, want to do that. It's just like the yeah. going through the desert just is, is incredible. Um, it's, yeah, the reason I like the hundreds, because it's like, okay, you can do that in a, you know, a day, a weekend, um, and, and you're, you're, you're kind of done. Um, and I have so much going on with work stuff that it's, it's tough for me to like block off like a whole week to do like to sob or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, what's the like next big athletic challenge that you have your eyes set on? I know it's a little kind of up in the air because of COVID, but do you have kind of one thing that you have your eyes on? COVID's been tough. I've had three runs that have got pulled out from underneath me. So I was going to do the Keys 100 in May that got canceled. Uh, the San Francisco Marathon just got canceled and it's just been a bummer. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what the next one, I want to do something in early, probably early uh, 21. Um, I'd like to do some national park stuff. So some, these are like less sanctioned. So um, some friends, and, and I did the uh, rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. That was a blast. And then a couple of years ago, we did Yellowstone. Uh, we ran from West Yellowstone down to like the Tetons by Jackson Hole. That was a blast. Just like the scenery is amazing. So yeah. I'd love to do some more like national park uh, type stuff. And just because it's kind of like epic uh, scenery. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think it's something like that, but we're still, um, still kind of mapping out and it's tough to map out. Cause like a lot of the sanctioned events, it, you know, bad water just got canceled and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the big events are, are kind of up in the air. So maybe doing just something that's like, uh, you know, like a, like a national park run would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Awesome. And so getting into these last handful of questions here, as someone who likes to, you'll work hard both in and outside of the office. How have you managed kind of that, that balance over the years to avoid burning out? 
running's been key for me. That actually is my, that's my therapeutic way to balance my insane life. Um, it, and I can't imagine not having it, to be honest with you. I feel fortunate to have kind of bumped into it, you know, later in my career. And it's kind of become what surfing did for me early in my life, I think. And I still love surfing. It, it, it Running kind of does now. And I think where I am, part of this is probably location, being in the Bay Area and stuff like that. It's, I can go out on a run, you know, any morning. Uh, and with family, it's a little more difficult for me to get out and go surfing every day. But uh, it's, it's therapeutic for me. That helps me, helps reduce stress. It's my thinking time. Um, I read, I crank through audiobooks. I try to read at least two books a month. Podcasts, I find it, it's a time where I can learn. I can de-stress thinking time. And um, now I have two young kids. So I thought, I, I, you know, I was into, you know, running a ton before. I'm like, I've been able to, fortunately adapt the kids to this lifestyle. So every weekend on Saturday, I take both kids. I have this double Bob stroll and we'll go out for, you know, 20, 25, 30 miles, whatever. Um, and I wow. just bring them with me and, and they have a blast. <laughs> I'll stop and let them play at, you know, on a, on a playground or walk around at, at this place where there's like a stream and, you know, let them turn it into an adventure form basically. And, um, and, but that's like, that's the only way I have to do that. That's the only way I can balance out, you know, mentally, physically. And, and I found that that's the key to, you know, just kind of balancing out um, life. And that, at least that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say, use it as thinking time. I found, I found running for me to kind of be like, like a way to hyper process what's going on in my head. And like, if there was like a problem I was struggling with or like, yeah, like a problem I was struggling with or something I was struggling to think through, like once I go on that run, like I got it now, you know, I'm sure you've had that many times too. It's cool because you can use the time to accomplish so many things. And now I've tried to rotate through those, those things. So sometimes, yeah, you need to solve a problem like that, like you mentioned, and you can use the time, just hyper-focus and you'd be surprised and I'm sure you've read all the research of the benefits, right? Like everything's firing. And so you, you can solve that problem or come at it from different angles. There's other times where you just need release. And so sometimes I'll just, I just need to go run fresh air, um, some sun, you know, and, and so it can just be a release or crank some music. And then other times like, Hey, I, I like, here's this book that I'm excited about, uh, or the podcasts, like podcasts are amazing. Like you can learn so yeah. much. Um, and so you can use that time to learn, to be inspired, to solve problems while simultaneously getting all these physical and mental benefits. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Um, one, the oldest is four and my young one is, he's two months from two. So he's, he's late stage of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That ha- that's added a whole another dimension <laughs> and craziness to your life too. That was these past oh, yeah. handful of years. Yeah, yeah, challenging and a total blast at the same time. It's it's amazing, but it it, it it's amazing. Like I feel like I'm learning so much from them and trying to be a good parent. And um, but but yeah, it's a whole another uh, dimension. Yeah. So, what does your daily routine look like these days? My daily routine, I wake up at 6.50, do a workout every day, except for Sunday. 
and, um, you know, rotate between running, strength training and things like that. And then basically, you know, get to work and, you know, crank through the day. Um, and then at night I, you know, now, you know, I basically have time with the kids, um, every night. So I like, you know, give them baths and, uh, help put them down. Um, and then, you know, do the, you know, dinner with my wife and, yeah, then that's it. Then get up and <laughs> do it over again. <laughs> yeah, do it all over again. And right now, it seems like Groundhog's Day with 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 the with the quarantine. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, as is the name of the podcast, the Driving Force Podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? Um, I think keeping a a couple of things, keeping a learning mindset. Uh, I I feel fortunate to have. I think early had to force myself to like keep an open mind and try some things, different things, even though initially I didn't want, I didn't plan to do it or want to do it. And, you know, having that open, curious and learning mindset to, to try new things and whether that's to try a triathlon, to try your first 5k or marathon or ultra marathon, or uh, take, you know, to do a, you know, a job opportunity or position or role that you um, might not have saw yourself doing or anticipated doing, but if you see, you know, an opportunity, I think that that um, has been you know a big driving force for me. And 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 pushing yourself too. I think that is is as humans, we're capable of so much more than we realize at, at all levels. And this is like you know personally, professionally, you know, athletics. We're, we're, our, our, both our minds and bodies are, are capable of way more than we give ourselves credit for. And you don't know that unless you push yourself to try to, to, to do that. And it, and, you know, it just takes one step at a, at a time. A lot of people ask like, what, how do you run an ultra marathon? Well, just one mile at a time. And how do you do a mile? One, one step at a time. And I think it's important to, to kind of push yourself, you know, keep that learning an open mindset and, but at the same time, challenge yourself and push yourself and, and, and others forward in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And so lastly here, before we wrap up, what advice or parting words of wisdom would you like to leave the people listening around living life to the fullest? Um, enjoy the journey. If there's one thing, I think, um, you know, early on in, in my life, I get so focused on the destination and, and I think that's good because you do need to have a vision and that can inspire and be part of your, your motivation and driving force. However, don't get so focused on the destination that you overlook the journey. And I look back both personally, professionally, you know, whether it's, you know, the running 165 miles in you know, Brazil or, you know, or, or back like early days of career, I look back, it was like, those experiences were amazing and the people the you know, that we, I did those things with and the relationships that were built and what we created together and how we helped others. Uh, it's that the experience and the journey that was the fun part. And you don't want to overlook that. And as uh, my boss now, he like has a saying em embrace the grind. And I love it because it's like so true. It's, it's enjoying the experience and yeah, it might be tough, and a struggle, but 
you know, find the, 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 the fun in that and just kind of embrace it and, and enjoy it and be grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Awesome. That's a great place to end. Kevin, thanks again for coming on. This is great. Absolutely. Chase. Appreciate it. Yeah. Where can people go if they want to learn more about Zenefits and also find you online? Zenefits.com uh, uh, for anything related to Zenefits for small businesses. And then uh, for me, I'm on LinkedIn, on and off of uh, Twitter. And um, yeah, and that's probably the best places. Awesome. And you all can also visit my website, traceorza.com and follow me on Instagram at traceorza4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks everyone who's listening and see you next time.